Ladies and gentlemen, to those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, welcome to the madhouse. Hello and welcome back to the Madhouse. I am your host, Joey, and your other host for today joins me after we've recently been reanimated ourselves since playing some pretty heavy, very messy gigs lately. He is the man that puts the oi oi in Toy Boy. The man who in the early noughties wanted to call getting wrecked online, getting erect. I don't know why that didn't catch on. And he was cast as Pope Sixtus IV in BBC's worldwide historical fantasy drama series, Da Vinci's Demons in 2013. <laughs> Hello, all right? <laughs> yeah, you? It's Jimmy, by the way. That's Hello, yeah. Describing. Lovely intro, as always. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you are the Jimmy that was educated at the Royal Centre School of Speech and Drama, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. yeah, obviously. Cool. Yeah. You do look young for born in 1948. Okay. Uh, there's a picture in my attic that you're not allowed to look at. Oh, okay. Dorian Gray. Uh, yeah, yeah. Same. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. This is your choice. Yes, it was. Take it away. Reanimator, nineteen eighty five. And it? Yes. I've not got the uh not got all the uh facts laid out in front of me, so yep. I'm gonna wing it. Nineteen eighty five, directed by Stuart Gordon. Yes, loosely based on HP Lovecraft's Herbert West Reanimator. Very loosely apparently. Yes it is. I've read it and it's very good. You can tell us all every single inconsistency along the way, then. Uh, basically, all of it. Yep, that's what I read. Right. So uh, we are diving into a plot slot. Yep. If you're ready to dive into the plot slot. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay, take it away. Ten minutes. Right. At a medical school in Zurich, Switzerland, a dean is called in to investigate a disturbance in one of the labs. When he enters with a policeman and nurse, they find one of the school's professors, Gruber. A uh, little side note, his name's Hans Gruber. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. <laughs> no relation. No. Uh, that we know of. Okay, about three years before Die Hard. Anyway, uh, he's screaming in agony. As he fell from a Nakatomi tower. <laughs> <laughs> As a, yeah, because a med student, uh, no, he's with med student Herbert West. Gruber's skin is turned purple. His eyes are bulging. Yeah, his eyes are bulging and they explode. <laughs> Spewing <laughs> blood. Uh, the stricken man falls dead and the dean asks Wes if he had killed the doctor, to which West replies, no. No, I gave him life. <laughs> West arrives at Mescatonic University in New England in order to further his studies. He rents a room from medical student Dan Kane played by Bruce Abbott, and converts the house's basement into his own personal laboratory. There's an instant animosity between West and faculty member Dr. Carl Hill, uh, played by David Gale. Uh, Also, his toupee should get an honourable mention. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what the name of the toupee was. 
Uh, West declares that Hill stole the theory of brain death from West's late mentor, Dr. Hans Gruber. Hill vows that West will never get a passing grade in his class. So Dan has been carrying on a clandestine love affair with Megan, daughter of Miskatonic's medical school's dean, Dr. Halsey. Uh, Megan and Dan know that if the, her father finds out about the relationship, Dan could be expelled. Which is weird, because they, don't they turn up at his house while they're having a dinner? Yeah, but they're pretending to just doing the whole, we're going to go study. Oh, we're going to go study bullshit. Study right. sex. Yeah, okay. Uh, Dan discovers that West has reanimated his dead cat, Rufus, <laughs> with a glowing reagent. Uh, that's a good scene when they find the, fr- the cat in the fridge. Yeah, real uh, real cat as well. It was a real cat. Yeah. Uh, West recruits Dan as his partner in research to defeat death. Dan's fiancée, Megan, because they're engaged now, yeah. dislikes West. Just quick, the whole film's just rapid. It yeah, escalates. One thing after another. It, yeah. uh, Megan dislikes West, especially after discovering her cat, <laughs> Rufus, dead in the fridge, and then reanimated in a state of dismemberment on the table. Hill manages to turn Dr. Halsey against both West and Dan. Barred from the school, West and Dan sneak into the mall to test the reagent on a human subject in an attempt to salvage their medical careers. The corpse revives and goes on a rampage, naked, attacking the duo. I, uh, I got a fact later about that. Oh, good. Naked dude. <laughs> uh, the Dean stumbles upon the scene originally uh, to force them out of the morgue for trespassing because they've both been fired or kicked out, sorry. And uh, despite attempts by both West and Dan to save the Dean, he is killed by the reanimated corpse. Armed with a bone saw, West dispatches the reanimated cadaver. Unfazed by the violence and excited at the prospect of working with a freshly dead specimen, West injects Halsey with the reagent. Halsey returns to life but in a zombie-like state. So Dr. Hill discovers West's work and gains guardianship over Halsley, who is the dean, and he puts him in a padded cell adjacent to his office, which Con- is handily placed just Well right convenient, there. isn't it? Yeah. Right next door. Uh, I, I've got one, obviously, but it's not as convenient in my house as it is to his office. Uh, so Dan and Megan break into Hill's office where they find evidence that Hill is obsessed with Megan and has lobotomized her father. Hill has gone to confront West in his basement lab and threatens to blackmail him into continuing his research so that Hill can take credit for West's reagent. While Hill is distracted, West hits and then decapitates him with a shovel. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good bit. (laughs) Overcome with curiosity, West reanimates both Hill's head and body separately because... They are Honestly, we're, we're going to have to get into that because that's, that's annoyed me. It, it, yeah, well, it doesn't make much sense. But yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, while West is questioning Hill's head and taking notes, Hill's body knocks him unconscious. Of course. Uh, how the brain's getting the messages there. Oh, mate, it's mental. Although, I know I did read originally it was meant to have t- telekinesis or something. Oh, right. But okay. it was taken out. Anyway, okay. we could talk about it later. Yeah. The body carries the head and steals West's reagent. Uh, returning to Hill's office... Exercising mind control over the Dean, Hill sends him out to kidnap Megan from Dan. West and Dan track Halsey to the morgue, where they find Hill's body holding his head in a a compromising position over a restrained Megan. It's a bit weird. 
Uh, Wes distracts Hill while Dan frees Megan. Hill reveals that he has reanimated and lobotomized several corpses from the morgue to do his bidding. However, Megan manages to get through to her father, who I want to talk about later because he's having a bad time. Yep. Uh, he fights. He manages to fight. Uh, he manages to fight off the other corpses long enough for Dan and Megan to escape in the ensuing chaos. Halsey is torn to pieces by the corpses after he destroys Hill's head and West injects Hill's body with what he believes is a lethal overdose of the reagent. Hill's body mutates horribly and attacks West, who screams out to Dan to save his work as he continues fighting. He is dragged towards the monstrosity, his fate unrevealed. That is a monstrosity as well, because this thing just pops out from inside of him i'm assuming it's supposed to be some part of the human body but i don't know what i it thought it was like intestines it was like five inches wide uh, human intestines are really big the large intestines that guy must have not taken a shit for like a month uh probably not <laughs> maybe the the reagent is gives you constipation as well yeah, that's maybe. why they're all pissed off all yeah, these probably. zombie things like i need a shit <laughs> anyway dan retrieves the satchel containing West reagent. Uh, as Dan and Megan run from the morgue, one of the reanimated corpses attacks and kills Megan in the lift. Dan takes her to the hospital emergency room and tries in vain to revive her, like the very first time where he well, tries to save someone. The intro to the film. Yeah. Sorry, not uh, the intro, but the next bit. Yeah. yeah. In despair, he injects her with the reagent. Just after the scene fades to black, Megan screams... Implying that her reanimation has backfired. Yeah, so it worked, but it's given her too much. She's gone mental. She's gone mental. Crackers. Come on, we've done that in ten minutes. We have. Yes. yes. Uh, let me check. Yeah, we've got two minutes left. Oh, what, come what do you on. want to do? Like, just silence for two minutes, or should we move on? Let's move on. <laughs> it doesn't feel right not having that dun 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 thing. That's true. Anyway. <laughs> so, plot slot's done. In under 10 minutes, I think we've done that twice now in nine episodes, because this is episode nine. Yep, second time. Uh, enter our competition that ends in the next episode. Email us your favourite horror movie and tell us why it's your favourite horror movie and your name will be picked out a hat to win some free Night of the Living Dead stuff. Oh, lovely jubbly. And with that, we're going to move on over to Frights and Delights. Here we go, it's Frights and Delights. I'm going to come straight at you <laughs> with a lovely little delight. Right, you know the uh, security guard outside the morgue? Yes. A black dude and he's always reading a porno mag. Yeah, any chance for a break? And, yeah, exactly. And uh, he's not nipping off for a, for a coffee. All right. He's actually going off for a... <laughs> he's actually going off to have a quick wank. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah, it's not. You know what? He kept saying time for a break and being cheeky, and I was like, your whole job's a break. You sat there playing cards. Why can't you have a coffee at your desk? Yeah, he's he's nipping off for a quick. Uh, what do you call it? What would you call it? And and shandy. <laughs> uh, was uh, choking a chicken. Choking a chicken. We go with the choking chicken. <laughs> Lovely, nice. I've got another one actually that's quite amusing, Dan. Yeah. In his room, he has a talking heads poster. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And uh, the doctor then later becomes a talking head. <laughs> yeah, one of those nice little touches. Yeah, simple. Simple, but effective. 
well, I'm going in with a, a fright. Okay. This film destroyed a marriage. <laughs> David Gale's wife left him and divorced him not long after the... That's not laughing. I'm not laughing, I promise. No, we shouldn't After laugh the film that. was released... It was said in the DVD's audio commentary by other members of the cast that they suspected the attempted rape scene where Dr. Hill, uh, played by David Gale, starts to go down on Megan as a severed head that his body is holding to her lady business. It's... Uh, that was the reason for the divorce. It is a very strange scene. It's a very full-on scene. Yeah, they tried to... Well, they wouldn't release it in Britain unless they cut that bit out. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So it is one of those scenes that's kind of pushing the line a bit. But I would have, you know, if I was doing a scene like that, I would have talked to my wife and said, this is what I'm doing, by the way. Well, actually, she should go, well, he should go, right, look here, love. I'm an actor. I'm going to be acting today. I'm going to be a severed head. And I'm going to go down on this woman who's yeah. far too young for me. But it's acting. Yeah. Just acting. That's that's what I meant. Give her a heads up. Yeah. I, it's my job. I've got to do this. Just letting you know. I I. So, it's said that his his former wife stormed out, shouting, "David, how could you?" <laughs> uh, it was not obvious to me from what they said whether they meant she stormed out on set or at a screening or whatever. Apparently, David Gale did say while making the scene, "I feel awful doing it." Sorry. I feel awful doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly his wife thought the same, but more so. And she did one packed up, fucked off. Uh, don't know. I, I, that sounds like to me, he's just, she's like on set and he's just doing his job and he's not forewarned her. And she's like, what the shit is happening? Here? Oh, but it's acting though. She should, maybe there was some underlying She issues. could have been very religious. At his age, in the 80s, brought up 50s. Yeah, probably 40s. 40s, 50s, yeah. Uh, yeah. He died at 54 in 91, so whatever. But you know what I mean? So anyway, that happened. <laughs> Big props to his wig, which... Uh, yeah, that's a delight. That is a delight. It is his toupee. But it's not actually his toupee because he does actually have hair. They made him shave his hair. And wear a toupee. And wear a toupee. Um, because... So it, I think it was so it t- looked like you know that part where the body's walking around with the. It's the prosthetic head. The prosthetic head. They yeah. could get two wigs that looked the same, but it would have been really hard to make the prosthetic head's hair look like his hair. Yes. Yeah, so they shaved all his hair off and popped a tube on it, and yeah. it stole the show. If I could give it Master of the Cut, Macabre, I'd yeah. give it to the toupee. Right, okay. <laughs> we'll get to that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'm going for a couple of delights in a row. Bang bang. Lovely. The reagent was liquid from glow sticks, and it looked awesome, and I loved it. It, it looked great. Touch. Uh, I saw that it was the first time glow stick liquid had ever been used on film. I don't see why that is a props for a film, and I don't see how they could prove it was true. In 1985... I don't... I've not seen many films that have... No, but I find it really hard to think that's the first time someone's gone, this stuff would be awesome. I mean, I'm not saying looks, they're lying. No, well, I mean, it looks fucking it great, though, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Uh, anyway, the other one is 24 gallons of fake blood. That, That's insane. Uh, the uh, special effects guy, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, said the most he'd ever used in a film before was two gallons, and this was 24 gallons. God, blimey. It's quite a lot. That's a lot. 
All right, what you got now? Um, so there was a. I think you mentioned this earlier, not on air, but earlier. There was originally a subplot that revealed that Doctor Hill had the ability to control minds, mm-hmm. and it was cut from the film because of the timing. And that sort of explains why, at the end, he can control all those zombies. Yeah, he was lobotomizing, lobotomizing them, them and doing something else. But he had some sort of mind control. It wasn't obvious, but it's obvious. It wasn't obvious when there. you when you actually when you read it. Now that I'm reading it, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I get it now. I yeah, but when I watched it and yeah. the, all these bodies just came out like synchronized perfectly, just yeah. with no real. Cute. It was a bit strange, but it does make sense knowing that. I'd love to watch the original two and a half hour long. That's in fact that's one of my. Is it one of my? No, it's not. It was nearly one of my. Uh, no, it is one of my delights. The first <laughs> cut was two and a half hours long. The released version is eight to seven minutes. So uh, I would love to watch that two and a half hours. Yeah, um, I think I've got it on DVD. I think I've got like the full thing. Well, that's a sure. weekend thing for us to do then. Lovely. I read an article. No, it uh, wasn't really an article. It was somebody um, whose mum had a lobotomy. She writes about it growing up with a mum that's had a lobotomy. Okay. Um, and she didn't know why her mum was like acting all weird, and she didn't know why her mum had like a hair over her forehead. She suddenly had a fringe. Yeah, but it was because her doctor dad. Her dad was a doctor and got her mum lobotomized, properly removed the two frontal lobes from her Shit. brain. And she had this dip in her head um, and it was like metal plate on it. It's an interesting article. I can't remember what it is and I can't remember what the woman's name is. But Is that your real story for today? Uh, yes, I wish I could go into more, but I, as always, I'm very underprepared. I'm going to once again plug a podcast that doesn't need plugging because it's doing way better than we are. But stuff you should know, do an absolutely amazing episode on lobotomies if you want to go and check that out. I can't tell you what number it is. They've got thousands of episodes. Uh, Right. Dildo enthusiast news. (laughs) Yes, about time. (laughs) The lady that Dan is resuscitating at the beginning of the film was a self-described dildo enthusiast. And she would hide dildos... (laughs) <laughs> with the fake dead bodies on the set in the morgue. Now, that's weird, right? Is it? I thought we all knew a dildo enthusiast. Uh, I think these days most people are dildo enthusiasts. It's all right these days. It's not even called that these days because just everyone's got one. <laughs> uh, but hiding them on, on set, how many do you have to have to like a disposable dildo to just hide around set? Oh, she's an enthusiast, so I imagine she's got quite a lot. Okay. Uh, my next delight was David Gale's wig, but we've already done that. Yeah. Props to the wig. Uh, I've got one more. You got any more? And I'll... I've got one more, yeah. Okay, you go. Uh, Barbara Crampton, who plays... Megan? Yes. <laughs> she does all her own screaming. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was all right. Well done. <laughs> why, why is that even... I don't know why that's a thing. A thing. To like, attribute to someone. Yeah, well done. You've done you've done your job today. Yep. I mean she did other stuff. She, she did, did other she do stuff. all her is, did she not do anything else? Was she, all her talking dubbed? And that's why it's notable to say she at least she did her own screams. Yeah, maybe. She got her tits out as well, didn't she? 
a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> Not <Okay>. being chauvinist. <laughs> she got a bangers out. <laughs> uh, we didn't see any dick in this film. No, that's true. There's no penis in this film. Uh, well, he was naked. I was going to say, that, uh, the naked zombie. Dick? Naked zombie. Yeah, yeah, and talking about naked zombies, that's my last delight. Yes. We got to see a naked zombie. <laughs> uh, no, the, that naked zombie was played by none other than Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double. He's <laughs> uh, the first, that first corpse in the morgue to be reanimated, the one that kills the Dean. He was Arnie's stunt double for 14 movies from 1984 in The Terminator all the way to 1996 and jingle all the way. Bloody hell. Peter Kent, his name was, wasn't it? Sure. Yes, it was Peter Kent. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a good run. 1984, 1986. It's what? a stunt double. I mean, it wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, good point. In shape, though. Anyway. <laughs> Master of the Macabre. Let's do it. Moseying on over. <laughs> Master of the Macabre. Welcome to the Master of the Macabre, where we are going to pick our favourite performer in this film. Uh, who have you got, Jimmy? Who and how many? Right, so I've got two. One is obviously Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yes. Terrible at the names on this show. And the other, obviously, is David Gale's wig. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But nah, seriously, Jeffrey Combs is what I'm saying. Yeah, sorry, was... Jeffrey Combs. David Girl's wig has won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, the only person I had for this was Jeffrey Combs because I don't think anyone else really came close. I would have picked David Gale as a second option, but it would have it would have been lies. It was never going to happen. No, it was all right, but he weren't good. Uh, it was Jeffrey's first lead role. Yeah. And. He's gone on to do uh, Bride of the Reanimator and Beyond Reanimator. Both good films. I think we'll get there one day. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, he's got some great lines in it. Uh, who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow. Great one. I like that. He regretted that. Oh, yes. Because uh, the who's going to believe a talking head got a laugh. And in the cinema, and everyone missed him saying, get a job in a sideshow. Yeah. He's got another one that he didn't like, and I I quite like it. He says, uh, he took my serum, except for the one I have upstairs. No, I don't like that. I like it. You like it, I but like... it's too explainy to people. It's He's taken some, but don't worry, I still secretly I still have like some them. for the purpose of the storyline. Yeah. I think it's clumb- clumsy... Uh, clunky writing? Uh, yeah, not very good writing, but I like it. I enjoy it. I think it's shit but good. Yeah, I think there's shit but good, but then there's accidentally shit. Oh, that was that accidentally shit? Yeah. I think that line was accidentally shit. I think sometimes with the, the shit, it's on purpose. Yeah. And it works because it's done with a certain angle. Anyway, with Jeffrey... Are oh, you doing more lines? No. No. You <laughs> look <laughs> like you were... You're like... Shakespearean actor warming up then. Uh, Jeffrey Combs, uh, I think, is a, a good example of uh, perfect casting for the part. His eyes are almost psychopathic. Yeah, he's got that crazy smile as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's got that youthful-looking face, but still looks 
menacing. Yeah. He manages to like effortlessly have something about him that's off-putting. I mean, I've never met the man in life, so maybe that's just how he is. Yeah. Uh, creepy, soft voice. Uh, but like when he asks other characters things or to do things, it's it's not like he is asking. It's like he's telling or demanding. He's definitely demanding because I think uh, he thinks he well. He knows he is better than yeah. everybody else. I am such a genius, so obviously I know better. Yeah. He's uh, been with Hans Gruber yeah. in Switzerland. Uh, well, one example I thought of was when he was looking around the basement and he goes, should I move in now? Literally, yeah. he's handing over the money as though it's a done deal while yeah. he's saying that. As in, I know it's it's customary to ask, but this <laughs> is happening. Yeah. <laughs> So I think he did a really good job, and since he's our only choice, uh, I mean that wig though. Ah, oh, could the wig pinch it right at the end? No, no, because no, so. we're better than that. We, yeah. This means something. This medal, it, it's uh, we'll farce <laughs> of this whole thing if we give it to a wig. That's true. It's a good wig though. Well done. It was a good wig. Honorable, right. honorable mention goes to the wig, Herbert West. No, not Herbert West. That's the character. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Cobes. Medals in the post. It's on its way to Miskatonic University in New England. <laughs> Check your mail. <laughs> uh, right, we are... We're blasting through this quite quick, but we are going to... Oh, slowly... Uh, yeah, if it feels like we're like... <gasps> it's because it's like a million degrees right here. Yeah. Even close the window so we don't get any outside noise for you guys. That's how dedicated we are. Sweating. But it does mean we have to drink a lot of booze. So we're going to take a break and have uh, another can or two. And then we're going to do the Madhouse rating yes. system. The Madhouse rating system. Right, here we go. Let's resurrect the madhouse rating system first up we got tension and suspense right so the best tension and suspense in this film is the character tension i think okay uh it's amazing between everyone and i reckon it's the best use of tension and suspense in the whole film uh herbert and dan have an uneasy understanding there's a, there's always tense but between those two, yeah, like uh, the ends justify the means type thing is keeping Dan going. Herbert just wants to do it no matter what. Yeah, Herbert's always manipulating Dan in some way. Herbert and Doctor Hill hate each other. It's constantly tense between them. It's a seething rise of anger between the both of them uh, until Herbert smacks him on the bonds of a shovel and kills him. And even that doesn't end it. <laughs> no, nope. comes back. Uh, Dan and Meg are together, but have this tension between them because it's a secret relationship. They're constantly contradicting each other's decisions. She never wants him to hang out with Herbert or do any of the, well, the bad stuff. I mean, she's right. Yeah, but it's a it's a conflict. The dean is stuck between Herbert and Doctor Hill in a few parts, few parts where they're having to dig at each other. Doctor Hill wants to get in Meg's pants. Yes. There's this constant crossover of this character tensions, and Meg's constantly feeling a bit awkward around Doctor Hill. She kind of can tell he fancies her. He probably she probably doesn't understand the extent. No, he's obsessed with her, isn't he? Yeah, and, and Doctor Hill is da- jealous of Dan, because he can tell they're boning on the side. Yeah. 
the whole film is like this just master classic uh, uh, what is character dynamics of things. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's the the best thing here for the tension and suspense is the writing for the characters, the dynamics between all of them. There's, it, you, sometimes you have a love triangle. This is like some kind of weird yeah, ten-dimensional thing. Um, it's all over the shop. Yeah, but it's done really well and they yeah. act it really well. So that, for me, is the best part, tension and suspense. Lovely. Uh, have you got anything you want to say? I've got oh. a bit more. Nope. Uh, I've got more. I think, I, I, of course, there's, there's moments where you get the usual horror film suspense, which are all done really well. Uh, Meg finding Rufus the cat in the fridge, dead. That's a good one. Yep, she uh, goes mental because the cat's gone. Yeah, and she goes looking for him, uh, suspects something to do with Herbert. She goes into his room, the string's playing while she's walking around. We get that following uh, camera of her behind uh, she searches around the house, eventually is in Herbert's room, and then the shadow of Herbert uh, appears behind her, the silhouette, just kind of standing over her. She's jumped to a, a quite a big conclusion right at the start, I think. Uh, Why? That Herbert stole her cat, or the cat. Well, she said that Rufus doesn't like Herbert, and she's not seen it. I, think, I thought she thought he'd, the cat had buggered off. Yeah. It's just a bit weird. She's just gone, right, the cat's gone. It's got to be Herbert. Yeah. He's a bit weird. What's he done with it? Uh, (laughs) So when everyone's in the morgue, towards the end, just after the weird attempted rape scene, Herbert's no longer the bad guy. I think it's called the giving head scene. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's clever. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Herbert's no longer the bad guy. He's still a bad guy, but Dr. Hill is now the main bad dude. And Herbert now seems like some kind of anti-hero trying to save the day, even though he's a weirdo. Anyway, they're all trapped in the morgue. (laughs) Dr. Hill activates, like, the 1985 synchronized coming-back-to-life team. (laughs) Yes. And all seems lost. (laughs) They're all about to die. And the Dean, who so far has been killed by a zombie, brought back to life. (laughs) Yeah. Institutionalized. Yeah. Lobotomized. Yeah. Forced into kidnapping his own daughter so she can be raped by a headless doctor that was previously dead himself. Yep. He looks at his daughter and thinks, this has been a weird week. And <laughs> also, like, she's naked at this point as well, isn't she? Oh, yeah. So that's also weird. Like, he's... He's carrying her naked. He's carrying her... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so he thinks... Oh, maybe it's not weird for him. I don't know. Uh, it's weird for me. Well, he's not himself. No. But he becomes more himself right. at this point. He looks at yes. her and thinks, I think this is all a bit off, to be honest. I've had a bad week. Yeah. It's not going great. So he turns on Dr. Hill, throwing his body out into the hall, followed by squishing his head and eyeballs with his bare hands, launching launching it into a wall to splatter everywhere. There's an absolutely fantastic shot after that where there's this bright light in front of all, uh, with all these silhouettes in front of it, of people fighting dead people. Yeah. That's just awesome. This whole kind of build up of this suspense to you can't see in a silhouette who's fighting who and who's who, so you don't know what's going on. Uh, and in the end, it uh, they're in the lift with Dan axing off the arm of some dead person, and then of course him reanimating Meg at the end, and you even end on a a, a bit of a. Her screaming just being reanimated, so you don't even know how the film ends. Really, yes. you know how the film ends, but you don't know how the story truly ends. 
that's a uh, anyway that whole thing is pretty tense action-packed sequence yeah did it me. work did it not work the screaming suggests that it didn't work it worked she's back to life but, but it didn't work how he yeah. wanted it to she's gone a bit like rufus the yeah. cat i think yep right what are you saying i'm saying star yeah give it a star boom right Gore and visual effects. Um, I've got one here. Uh, the brains in the severed head were made up of steer meat byproducts, ground beef, and fake blood. So what is steer meat? Uh, cow. Oh, is it? Yeah. I, I read cow. that and I was like, I don't even know what steer meat is. It's American, isn't it? They call them steers. Steers. Cow skin. It's like there's only, there's only two things that come out of Texas steers and queers, and you don't look like a cow to me, boy. <laughs> <laughs> What's that from? Uh, that is <laughs> from the full well jacket. Oh, shit. Yeah, I watched that a few weeks ago. I knew I recognized that quote. Uh, it's because you weren't <laughs> yelling it in my face like yeah, a yeah, mental yeah. kid. Do you know the guy from Full Metal Jacket who played that guy? Yes. I can't remember any of their names. He was hired for Full Metal Jacket to be an advisor for the actor who was going to be the drill sergeant, but he was so good, they were like, why don't we just use him this guy, yeah, instead of getting was... him to teach him how to do what he's already doing? Yeah, he was actually a drill sergeant. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that film. Um, so, that was all shot in an autopsy room with this evidence and that being thrown around um, and smashing into the hallway and all the crew had to wear bin bags over their clothes so they didn't get all the fake blood everywhere. As we said before, it was 24 gallons of fake blood. Yeah, and they had no idea how far the splatter was going to splat. Yeah, it was going to go everywhere. So, can we talk about the intro? (laughs) Yeah. When Herbert West is reanimating the corpse of Dr. Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. Is that the right accent? Hans Gruber? Hans Gruber? Hans, I don't know. The guy from Die Hard that's not the guy from Die Hard. Because that was one hell of an opening to a movie anyway. Yeah. Um, There's these (laughs) brilliant bulging eyes that explode into fountains of blood. Uh, Some films kind of build up and show you what type of film you're in for. Yeah. This film just jumps straight in there and is like, yep, strap the f*** in because we're doing this. Yeah. (laughs) And then the intro credits are absolutely amazing as a visual effect like all on their own, this animation sequence bursting with colour and the absolutely amazing score. So lots of blood, lots of gore, amazing effects in all aspects, but I was really impressed with a lot of the gore and practical effects in this, such as the headless body carrying uh, the dismembered head. Yes, I'm going to be a bit picky about that and say I'm a like I'm a bit annoyed because he's headless and his body's on the floor. So Herbert reanimates the head. Okay, good. Well done. It works. Why reanimate the body? He's curious to see if if he can do it. Separately. I get it, but then ugh, you just think, what are you doing, you tit? Well, uh, if also, we're, if we're being picky, I'm, I want to pick as well. Oh yeah, okay. If we're, if we're doing this. Yeah, we are. There's a head. On a tray. Yeah. Going <sighs> with no lungs. Thank you. Yes, no lungs. <laughs> and, and talking. No vocal cords, yeah, surely. Because the lungs. Right through. You got a yeah. spade right through the vocal cords. Yeah. And the lungs 
breath to it's stimulate got no diaphragm. the That's how you talk, yeah, isn't it? To, yeah. So that was annoying. Um, also, the fact that the body is following his command, even though he's got no connection. Like, his, the electric signals from his brain are not reaching his body. Yes. But we have said that he supposedly can control... Yeah, in the uncut yeah. version. Yeah. I think the head being carried by the body, which is impossible, yeah, was done as an effect very well. A storytelling device, not so great. You can tell that it's he's just kneeling down. Yeah, but do you not like it? I do like it it's, a lot. It's a camp comedy horror. Yeah, it's great. It's nice. Same with that bit uh, when Herbert West puts the bone saw through the other zombie. And oh, you can yeah. tell it's a fake chest. Yeah. And <laughs> That's the thing that I'm on about that looked good that in Horror Hospital they just didn't achieve. Yes. It looks bad, but bad, bad. Yeah. This is good, bad. Yeah. Um, okay. So the person in charge of makeup effects was a man called, and I'm going to say he's called with air quotes because I have no idea how to say his last name, John Nowelin. Okay. <laughs> or Naolin. Anyway, he used photos of corpses from the Cook County morgue as reference for his effects. Him and Gordon also studied a forensic pathology book to really capture the look of a dead body with pooling blood and its various grisly skin tones that come with it. Oh. That's a lot of work to get this right. And it does show in the finished product, especially with that first uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's dude killing someone. He, he's, they've They've not just got someone to pretend to go they've, yeah they've really made him look like he could have been dead for a bit yeah the biggest makeup challenge in the film was the headless dr hill zombie tony Dublin designed uh the mechanical effects and was faced with the problem of proportion once the nine ten inches of the head were removed from the body each scene forced him to use a different technique for example, one technique involved building an upper torso that David Gale could bend over and stick his head through so that it appeared to be that he was walking like a headless corpse and he was carrying it around. Yeah, I think they, they pulled it off all right for 1985. It's an awkward pose to hold kneeling yeah. down, but I don't think he did it for long. Uh, I've got uh, something here you're going to like. Ooh. I don't know if you came across this. Okay. The gurney that they used... You know what going is? Yes, I think... Dead person, push. table on wheels. Yes. Yeah. It had to have a hole cut in it. Oh, okay. So Gail could stick his head through it for that scene where his head's on the gurney. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Um, the gurney is the same one they used in Return of the Living Dead. Is it? And it was used specifically because it already had a hole in it from the uh, I can feel myself rotting Oh, that's scene. good. I didn't know that. So they... Uh, I read they borrowed it. I just kind of they nicked it. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I can't remember what year Return of the Living Dead was. It's 1985. Uh, same. Well, yeah. There you go then. Yeah, I put this in the same sort of class as yeah, Return definitely. of the Living Dead. I think Reanimator is at the top of the league of that little class. Yeah. I think. Uh, what did I just say? Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> I, right. Reanimator is at the top of the class. Okay. And Return of the Living Dead's just below it, but they're in the same league. Yeah. <laughs> the league table of camp yeah. comedy yeah, horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's my favourite type of horror film. Oh, yeah. I enjoy it. It's good. It's funny. It doesn't take itself too seriously, I think. I prefer this to stuff 
uh, like hereditary and yeah. green room. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, don't know why. Just oh, more fun. Well, yeah, it is more fun. You're right. Okay. Uh, I'm done. Okay. I think for gore and visual effects, and I'm giving it a star. I if you're giving a it a star. star. That's a star. It's two out of two. It's doing Lo- pretty well. Lovely jubbly. Right, next up, performance. Ah. Right, so first, like, before we get into any detail, I want to say that Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton, Robert Sampson, and Stuart Gordon all went on a trip to an insane asylum and a morgue in preparation for the film. That's quite good. So when you think of the performance in the film, no matter what you think of the outcome, that is the level of commitment you're getting <laughs> from performers and a, a low-budget film. I'm guessing not getting paid much. Probably not. That's um, quite good, though. Method, method-y, isn't it? Yeah, just finding out what's what. Yeah. Well, well that's quite similar to Hereditary, isn't it? When they went out yeah. pretending to be their characters. I think that's quite good. Right, got any more on that? A uh, couple of bits, I think. You? Uh, yeah. <laughs> go on, you go first. Right. <laughs> uh, the people that played the corpses that have been reanimated or worked together in their own time to make sure they all look good and moving together with these dead bodies brought back to life. Oh, that's good as well. Do they do it at the YMCA? <laughs> yes, they do. You read that by any chance. <laughs> yeah. Or was that just a really good guess? No, it was just a guess, wasn't it? <laughs> Was that what you had next? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm talking about David Gale's toupee again. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't know why I'm putting it in performance, but it was a good performance. From the toupee? <laughs> yeah, so they made, they made him shape his head. And it was basically, we've, just, we've said before, that it couldn't match the prosthetic head, but it was a budgetary reason. <laughs> that he didn't have enough cash to match his real hair with the fake hair on yeah. the prosthetic head. So they shaved it off, gave it a toupee. So give it up for the toupee. The toupee's performance. I'm going to move on. <laughs> I think you should move on because I think I've been captured by the toupee and it's <laughs> clouding my judgment of the entire film. <laughs> I think you're worried about your hair thinning too much. And it's it just... is thinning. <laughs> they had just 18 days to shoot this film. 16 days of principal filming and two days of reshoots. That's a pretty tight schedule when you consider the original cut of the film is two and a half hours. So I think the cast did really well to give a performance as good as they did in that time. It does have moments of not so great acting, but nothing worth mentioning overall. Performance gets a star from me. Yeah, I'm going to get give it a star. I mean, no one's going to win an Oscar for it, but do you know what I mean? It's, a, it's an 80s horror comedy film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they give the performance that that type of film requires. It's never, then a campy comedy horror thing yeah. never going to get uh, Oscars. It's yeah. never going to get that deep. No. Right, let's star it. Star. What's next? It is... Musical score and sound effects. So the composer, Richard Band, had to invest $15,000. What? Of his own money. Of his own money? (laughs) I read $1,500 a couple of places. Right. Like another couple of places I read $15,000. 
I, then literally just before you came around, I saw an interview with him. Yeah. And he said 15,000 in this interview. I That seems really steep for me. So I've I got go $1,500. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah the, you're looking from the same source <laughs> I looked at originally. I would think it was 1,500. But his own interview said 15K. It was written 15K. So it's not even... Oh, right. I, d- I mean, that's, maybe, maybe there's a point I was missing, 1.5K. Uh, anyway, either way, he invested some of his own money to get the score finished because he ran over his deadline by a couple of days. I got, and I mean, that's seven and a half grand a day if it's fifteen. Crikey. So it must be. I think it must be fifteen hundred. Must be. Anyway, uh, the results are worth it. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's got strings and things. Yeah, and that uh, sort of keyboardy, organy type thing on the intro. I quite like that. Yeah, it's another. Uh, kind of more classically composed score, tense music. It's got rock drum kit on yep. that original score track. It's a nice touch rather than the uh, percussioniness. Yeah, the film has those the the strings playing on their own, recurring at times. It matters, but mostly it's all about that theme. That's insanely instantly recognizable if you've heard it before. Recognizably, recognizable if you've heard it before. Yeah, uh, it's influenced a lot. By the score from Psycho, which is himself, the film was inspired by 1959's House and Haunted Hill, which is a nice little loop for us there. Oh, that's a nice little little touch. Uh, it's a less heavy score than Psycho, which is unsur- yeah, unsurprising considering the year and the comedy slash campy aspects of the film. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the interview I just read before you came around, he was talking a lot about the Psycho influence of this film so uh i think it's pretty safe to definitely say yeah it's a take on psycho's score yeah richard band actually said in the in another interview i read that the end credits is meant to say uh with acknowledgement and humble apologies to bernard sorry bernard herman yes uh, who is the composer for psycho yeah um but due to a mistake, it wasn't written on there. I think due to a mistake is a nice way of saying they didn't do what I asked <laughs> in the yeah. final cut. Yeah. Um, it's hard to describe a score. I'm finding doing this every week. Yes. Talking about scars, uh, yeah. scars scores. But it, the score gets a star from me. Have you yeah. got anything about the score particular to say? Um, I liked it. There you go. <laughs> so, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's four out of four stars. Four out of four. So, overall experience, innit? How do you feel? <laughs> uh, what? Well, I, I like to, yeah. Hot Burning. <laughs> do you, um, what do you think? Are you giving it a star? No, I'm not going to give it a star. I'm going to leave it at four. I really enjoyed it it's a good watch i will watch it again i also enjoyed the story herbert west reanimator uh better than the the film it was good i think i'm gonna say four what did we give return of the living dead probably four Four. (laughs) i would think of four um i five is like a a bang on film. Yeah, five's a heavy hitter. Six is above and beyond. 
as in the, the it's not just a perfect film, but it's because the brilliant effort has gone in and they've just just everyone yeah. in that film has just gone full in, yeah. full on. I think they went full on in this film, all the actors. Yeah, I might give it a half. Oh, I'll give it a half. Go on. Because I don't want to... It's a bit better than Return of the Living Dead. It's better than Return of the Living Dead, definitely. And but as it's we said not earlier. bang on perfect. Yeah. It's certainly not six. Yeah. Four and a half, I'm going to say. Let's do it. Four and okay. a half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. What film was it? Reanimator. Reanimator. God, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, that means we're moving on. To listen to mail. We'll see you there in a minute. I'm going to go and douse myself in cold water. Listener mail. Welcome to the listener mail section. Before we do any listener mail, I want to plug our competition again because we are announcing the winner on the next episode, which is next, ep- which is episode ten. Sorry. Yeah. Night of the Living Dead. Every ten episodes, we are doing another George A. Romero film, and for this time, you can win some free Night of the Living Dead stuff. What have we got, Jimmy? Uh, we've got Night of the Living Dead framed picture. We have a what's that? <laughs> a <doing>? mug. <laughs> we've got a Night of the Living Dead mug, and we also have. The Night of the Living Dead Blu-ray. And we will send it to whoever's name we pick out a hat to enter. We're going to pick out my hat, yeah? Yeah, your hat, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> my hat's too monkey. <laughs> um, what was I saying? To enter, email us. Let us know what your favourite horror movie is and why. And we will send you some prizes if your name comes out. And also... We'll do an episode on the movie you pick. Yeah, that'd be good. Either the next episode or the one after, depending on our recording sessions run. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, yeah, and no judgment here either. I don't care if your favourite horror movie is Bambi. I, I probably won't pick that, actually. Oh, it's quite terrifying, isn't it? Anyway, if you pick Bambi, we might. the name will go in the hat with the rest of them. <laughs> anything, any, anything. Any horror film, just, just drop us an email, tell us about it. Let's do it. All right, so uh, let's move on to listener mail. Uh, I got two listener mails to read out. Oh, okay. Both of them competition entries. Lovely. See, you want to get on it before anyone else does. Oh, yeah, I am reading uh, these out, by the way. Obviously, not all of them, because that would take a while. Uh, so this guy, this guy, now it says, this email says, Hello, guys. I'm loving the podcasts. I have to say that my favourite horror film is The Exorcist. Good choice. Okay, yeah. It was the first film that truly terrified me and made me awkwardly giggle too. Yep, fair enough. Uh, I bet I know what scene that was. (laughs) Oh, yeah. My friend and I decided to watch it when we were 12. I think it's where my love for horror started, especially the part in the director's cut version with Reagan doing the crab walk down the stairs. Yes, f***ing freaky. I always found that super eerie. Thanks, guys. Uh, And that's from Zoe Heslop. Right, nice one, Zoe. Uh, And I emailed back saying, I do not remember the crab walk down the stairs. I don't think I've seen the director's cut. So she lovingly sent me the video. Oh, that's nice. So now I've seen it. Excellent. And it is really eerie. You're right. It's f***ing weird. Yeah, really Um, weird. 
So the next email. Oh, okay. I'm reading out is uh, <laughs> this email straight to the point. Absolutely, man. Uh, I showed it to you just before we uh, yeah we got on this, but it's good. It's going in the hat with the rest. Quality of email or writing doesn't matter anything, but I like this. It's quite. I think this is purposely to the point. It's funny. Uh, my favorite horror movie is From Dusk Till Dawn for the following reasons: one, vampires; yeah, two, machete; yes, three, Selma Hayek; yes, four, it's OTT; yes, five, it's a Tarantino movie; yes, six, boobs; oh yeah, seven, loads of gore; yes, eight, great soundtrack; yes, nine, meat band; oh yeah, ten, snakes; yeah you. Sent from my iPhone. <laughs> right. Uh, hang on. That's Matt Payne. Matt Payne. It's on the uh, uh, subject. His name is Matt Payne. Uh, well done, Matt Payne. Probably should have put boobs as number 10, I would have said. Why? Um, just because that's the best part of it, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so number one's the best part, right? What's, what's, what was number one again? Vampires. Um... Yeah, but put boobs at the end. Do you know what I mean? Vampires, yes. Something else, yes. Sama Hick. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then right, <laughs> boobs right at the end. Boobs, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> While they're all that, he doesn't say in order of importance. Um. Okay. But there you go. Right. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, boy. Right. Pop it in the flat cap. It will be a flat cap as well. Or a pork pie, could put it in the pork pie hat. Yep, any kind of hat. Hat doesn't really matter. Beanie. I got a couple of peat caps, a couple of beanies. Woolly. What is woolly a beanie? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> top hat. Top. Anything. Have you got a top hat? Uh, no. Ah, cowboy. Ten gallon. Uh, my wife has a cowboy hat. <laughs> right. Let's stop talking about hats. Yeah, because we can say it with any hat. They're not going to see it. It's a podcast. Right. That is the end of our episode on Reanimator. 4.5 stars out of 5. Lovely. That's pretty good. Not bad. Uh, Right, so competition. Get on it. Yes. Give us an email. I want to know what your favourite... Even if you don't want the stuff, email me and just tell me what your favourite horror movie is anyway. He just wants to know what... Your favourite horror film is. So we're done, Jimmy. <laughs> yep. Email us, even if it's not for the competition or anything, at the themadassepodcast.outlook.com and I will email you back, probably read your email out at some point. Yep. If you let me. Uh, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get podcasts. Check us out on Facebook. Search for The Madass Podcast on Facebook to find us. Check us out on Instagram at The Madass Podcast. Again, email us at themadasspodcast.outlook.com and we will see you next time on The Madass Podcast. Yeah! Bye. David, how could you? <laughs>